the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And we have another great show uh, today. We'll get to all of it in a few moments. Uh, please be reminded, you can follow the Pro-America Report specifically by getting the daily email. So go over to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, and you can uh, sign up there. When you sign up, just put your email into the email block there, and you will get the um, daily wink, what you now know. After you read it, you'll know what you need to know. Very important. And it comes out at 8 a.m. East Coast time, Monday through Friday. Doesn't cost you a nickel. I don't sell or rent or borrow your email addresses to anyone. I just send you five days a week some information. Uh, as as I tell people, after I've figured it out, worked so hard to understand what's going on, I want you to know. So it's what you need to know, what you now know. Either one of those, wink, daily wink. So uh, tune in for that. All right. Today... I do, a, you know, I also do a, a video. I use a service, so it, it appears on uh, Twitter as well as on Facebook as well as on YouTube. So you can go find this. If you go to Phyllis Schlafly Eagles um, uh, fa- uh, YouTube channel, you can find it there. If you go to Facebook, go to Ed Martin Live. If you're on Twitter, at Eagle Ed Martin. And I do about a 15-minute video. And I explain, basically, I'm, I'm working out in the morning at 9.45 a.m. East Coast time. I'm working out... What exactly am I going to talk about during my opening segment, the wink, what you now know? Because I, I kind of see the news in the morning. I get a read on it and I start to say, okay, what is it we need to understand? And I do a little bit more research and all. And I have found I get a very positive uh, response to this uh, process. So I just encourage you to go ahead and, and go over to your um your uh, web, the website proamericareport.com and sign up. All right. Today what I want to talk about is how common and I spoke on the video earlier, how common it is for us to be fed the narrative from the narrative machine and not even see it coming, not even understand the background. So here's an example. There is a website. I think it's a website. Maybe it's just a, a Twitter service called The Dispatch. And it was started by Jonah Goldberg, um, I believe when I think Jonah Goldberg was at the National Review and other conservative places. But it's kind of a never Trumper movement. But it's masked in this idea that we at The Dispatch are conservatives who are going to look at the data and look at specifics and tell you really what's happening. And so, you know, again, as I uh, said earlier on my video, you know, there's plenty of fake news. One of the problems is there's fake polls. Another problem is there's fake history. And so we got a lot of fake going on and it's fake statistics, fake science. And we're just told to salute the science. So I saw a piece that was published at the dispatch by a writer who claimed in a lengthy piece and defended it, took the position. It was not, a, it was, it looks supposed to look like journalism, like analytical journalism, but it's really advocacy. And he claimed dramatically that the American people know how bad the pandemic is. And therefore, the American people, when you poll them, when he polled them, or when he used polls that he cited, the American people were fine with the idea that we don't have in, uh, in, um, person students in person education or at least his 
assertion was that, well, it tracks along the same lines. You know, that the teachers union say it's too dangerous. And so a lot of people say, yeah, it's too dangerous. And his numbers are similar to what he says. Here's the lie. Here's the fake poll, the fake news. In this case, the narrative they're pushing. He actually uses a narrative. And in the in the in the comments, one of the readers of this essay said this. He said, if you tell people for months and years something like kids can be super spreaders and kill grandma, kids can be spreaders and kill teachers, it's dangerous for everybody. After a certain point, people believe that. And that's what's happened. I'm sure with a poll like that. But I can assure you, the reality of our nation is that we need to get our kids back to teaching, back to education in person. There's just no doubt about that. And anyone who makes this crazy argument is participating in the narrative machine, big tech, big media, big government, trying to force upon us, in this case, believe the fear, buy into the fear, be scared of what's happening so you'll behave the way we're told. Now, a couple of observations about this. One is, why would a conservative sort of fall for this? One reason is that they fall for it because they're, they're genuinely believe it. They have a different opinion. In this case, it seems to me they fall for it by utilizing the tools of the narrative machine, this polling, this whole, this whole sort of trajectory, tell the story in this kind of trajectory, how people feel, how people are feeling. But here's the reality. If you have to be a conservative, so-called conservative, you ha- and you want to be uh, uh, kind of allied with what's happening by the narrative machine, you've got to find a space. So the space in this case for the dispatch and for uh, this writer is, oh, look at us. We, we buy into, we're going to, we'll, we'll signal that it's okay to believe the teachers union's claims and we'll argue it out really well. And this is a great way to get invited to Georgetown University to, to uh, round tables, to uh, out to Aspen for discussions or up to Harvard to be a fellow at the Kennedy school. That's the kind of stuff that you do as a conservative. You say things like Trump is too coarse. His rhetoric is too hot, that kind of stuff, right? His background is too liberal, whatever it is. These are all signals done by the, the regime, These are all signals to the regime done by so-called conservatives to play out that way. Now, here's the danger. Here's the big danger. In the past, you could see this going on and you could be you'd say to yourself, well, wait, my gut and my head and my experience of my neighbors and friends and family is that kids need to get back to school. And you would and your church would say that to you and all these things. Right. In this case, and that would be strong enough that you'd override this sort of conventional wisdom from the media and from uh, big government that you have to do what they say. The problem is right now, the narrative machine is not just being engineered by the traditional pieces, you know, a few moderate Republicans who claim that they're conservatives that argue there that's supposed to convince you and the power of the 60 minutes and others. It's not being managed by the old fashioned rules and the old fashioned tools. In this case, it's massively sophisticated, big tech, big media and big government. And they're managing it in such a way that they're brainwashing a lot of people. In fact, to be honest, they're brainwashing most of us. We're being fed news in such a way that you cannot use your gut and your instincts and say your faith community and family and your observations to override what's shoved down your psychic throat, psychological throat. I don't know how to say that, but you get the point. 
And it's a real danger because it's exhausting to, to stand up to the fake news and all and realize there's no reliable news. There's no reliable news industry. It's exhausting. And most people kind of, well, I'm standing up. I'm standing tall on whether Biden is really securing the border. I've, I can see that's a lie. But, I, you know, as to the covid, I have a friend that had it. It was really serious. And I, I think that I'll just, you know, it's just easier to go along. I mean, they, they wear you down. And the and the the challenge for us when you read an article like this and you and you have the by the way the comments I started to tell you the comments from this article in the dispatch are all basically taken apart saying this is not true this is you after after you've brainwashed everyone for a year and then you pull them of course they're going to say something like that another person says you're just cherry picking the answers you want anyway but my point here is we have to do two things as I've said before and what you need to know and what you now know when you hear that truth is here's two steps you can do one is anchor yourself in the truth scripture for me I hope it is for you holy scripture but then also our founding documents our founders vision some of the reflections on our Judeo-Christian roots of our founding and get yourself anchored as to sort of how we live together in America then that's one step Find a community that will support you in your efforts. Could be the Republican Party near you. Could be a faith community. Could be a club. Could be, I don't know. Maybe it's just you and some friends. But get solidarity with a couple of people. Could be two people. Could be five. Could be 50. And then move out from there. And here's the real hard part. And maybe it's the third step. But I, I think of it as the reason you're getting anchored in your truth and the truths and then getting together in solidarity. So you have to act. We have to be the ones that push back on this. We have to be the ones that tell the truth of this. You're watching in real time the country get brainwashed into riots after the Chauvin trial in New Minneapolis. That's what the media, big tech, the media and big government are doing. And you're watching some of us, Jack Posobiec on Twitter, uh, others on uh, Tucker Carlson on uh, Fox News, fighting back to try to beat that narrative machine. I'm not sure we'll beat them. I'm not sure we'll beat them, but if you can be strong in your roots and then strong in your solidarity, then you can move out from there and find ways to make a difference. But that's what you got to do. And it's daunting. It's daunting. And you, when you shake your head and say, look at this, watch these Republicans. And here's a danger. As the Republicans try to ramp up to be an opposition to Biden, which is sort of happening now, a lot of them are fakers. A lot of them are going to tell you what you need, what you, they think you want to hear. And you're saying to yourself, are you really understanding to stand up what's going on? Stand up to what's going on. It's a challenge. All right, everybody, I gotta take a, take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Don't forget, go to proamericareport.com, sign up for the Daily Wink, and otherwise get connected. You can review and look at the old segments we did there, too. I will post them as standalone links. And we'll be right back. Ed Martin, Pro America Report. Back in the Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. You know, last week, I didn't reveal this to him because it'll make him too happy. I got about my fifth email from someone saying, so who's the Noah guy you always thank? And I said, well, I'm, I'm loath to admit. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like Wally Pip letting Lou Gehrig into the building. And so I was worried. But I said, well, let's get Noah. Noah Dingley is our great technical director. He's really the producer, everything else. But he has his own show on The Answer San Diego. So I said, I'll get him on and we'll cover some business here and see what's going on. So Noah, say hello to all our people. They've heard your voice a couple times, but this is a star turn. So well, how are you today? Hello, fine people of the Pro-America Report. I'm doing fine. You know, baseball is eternal. Yeah. That has started. The Dodgers looking good. Not sure about the Cardinals, but uh, looking pretty optimistic, uh, despite the sleepy things President Biden is doing. 
So let me ask you this, Noah. First of all, I'm going to disregard the Dodgers comment every time. It took, it took you years, people do. <laughs> 30, 30, 30 years to get here. But here's what I want to ask you. You not only are do your own show on The Answer San Diego, but you produce this one, and then you also do a lot of work with programs. So you hear a lot of people. Right. You hear a lot of voices. I do. And I, I don't just mean this the host, but I'm saying, what do you think? the? How do you think people feel about the nation right now? Are, are they optimistic? Are they pessimistic? Are they? And I, I know I know I know a little bit. You can tell us how you feel about things because you have a, a viewpoint that's pretty savvy too, having having been around a while. But what you hear from callers and, and folks at the station, what do you think? What do you think America is right now? And I hear a mix. And I'll tell you, first off, what I hear and what I feel, I really, truly feel, even though we've heard it in the past, for me, this is really it. We are America is at a crossroads. We are either going to go in one direction or the next. And unfortunately, if we're going to stay as we are as America, the greatest nation on God's green earth is one of my radio heroes, Michael Medved, likes to say. We're really going to have to stand up. And I mean, the conservatives, the Republicans are really going to have to say, hey, you know what? These socialistic things you're doing, this push towards communism that you're you know, trying to get over on the American people, it stops now. It's not it's not going to stand. And so far, not all of them, but most of them haven't done that. And that's what is discouraging to me. That's what's discouraging to the people I talk to, the listeners of our shows, my show, your show, Andrea's show, people out on the street. And I'm even hearing some of this, not just from conservatives, just from good-hearted Americans that maybe happen to be Democrats, that might be a classic liberal. They don't like where the nation is headed, and it's going so fast. It's going at warp speed, and they want to... Make sure that this is just stopped before it's too late, because there is going to be a point, Ed, where I truly believe it's too late if, and I hate even saying this, if we're not already there. Well, and so let me pause. I want to come back to that, but I want to ask you about Medved, because again, our listeners know Michael Medved has had a, a, you know, he's a Hall of Fame, Radio Hall of Fame communicator. His career, he was kind of a never-Trumper, right? He kind of went anti-Trump and he lost that. He admitted it. He was, and he's, he's in his career where he's been so successful, he doesn't really need anybody. So it's not like he's, he's, you know, he's, but he did lose some listeners because he was sort of a never-Trumper. You interviewed him a few weeks ago on your program. How does he feel? Because he even though I, he would be, he'd be somebody that would be like, you know, if you ever remember, listen to that, Mike uh, Savage, Savage Nation, like, oh, the world's going to end and all that. Medved was, is more thoughtful. Well, how did he, how did he sound? What did you think when you uh, were done interviewing him? Well, what I like about Michael Medved, and I always have, is I'm a student of history. I love where America has come from, you know, what it's taken to get this far. And as much as I love history, Michael Medved, there is nobody better that knows where this nation has been, all the details, the, the, the wins, the wheres, the whos. And so I wanted to get him on my show, mainly Ed, to talk about if he thought that we are in our darkest days or if America has seen worse, and if we can learn from history, if we can take this nation forward. And he, quite frankly, said America has seen darker days, like back in the 1960s. He felt was a darker day for America, and yet we persevered. So that gave me a lot of hope, even though I might not— 
necessarily agree with that sentiment. I, I believe we're in some pretty dark times. But to hear that optimism, and I'm sure that there are other people in radio that feel that way, other Americans that feel that way, it made me feel hopeful for the nation that, you know what, if we stand up for what we believe in, we can really get this nation back. It might be a hard sell. It might take us some time, but we can save America. Uh, we're talking with Noah Dingley for our listeners. Uh, the Noahs, I always thank him at the end of the show. Our technical director is really everything. He produces everything. He's And he's great in my ear telling me, hey, what about this? What about that? Let's talk about something. So it's cool to have him talking now. Now let's go back to what you said earlier. And let me ask you, you know, you have two sons. Is that right? Am I, I do. Two sons. sons. And so twin sons who are in the age, I'd say, of coming into their adulthood. They're not 18. They're 22, 21, 22. You tell me. But again, correct me. Early but 20s. They're in, enough. Yep. Yeah early 20s into the workforce so you know you and i often talk about like we're not at the end of our careers obviously we're sort of in the middle but we sort of know where we fit into life right and and these young guys are coming up how do they feel about the country how do they feel about politics are they are they you know are they far from their dad or are they in terms of the political positions i know you're close to both of them but are, are, how do they feel about what the optimism of what's happening that is very interesting, and I'll say it because mainly, Ed, they're not political at all. They like, you know, they see how I actually get very excited about politics. I'm very passionate about it. I care for this country. Oh, there goes dad again. And so they're not very political, but they pay attention. They listen to what I say, what I bring home. And especially now that they're in the workforce and starting their careers, they have a little bit of skin in the game because they make money. They obviously want to keep as much money of theirs that they make. They earn very, very hardworking. And they see now a little bit more about why, even if they're not fully engaged, why politics is so important. Yet you might not really like the, how the sausage is made, so to speak. It's like radio. If people saw the behind the scenes things. It would be like, wow, really? That's how you do it? But now they're appreciating it a little bit more. And without calling themselves one side of the spectrum or the other, I would say they're pretty conservative when it comes to what their beliefs are because they want to make sure they're able to get out there. They're able to make a living. They're able to make as much money as possible that nobody is taking it from them and that they can spend that money however they choose to spend it, whether it's to save it or to spend it or to you know build a portfolio or to build a family. That's their decision. And so I'm pretty proud of just where they're at and they're more politically engaged than I think that they would admit but again that's because they're earning their own way in society yeah, yeah. kind of seeing where the country is headed and they don't like it either well, and so, and we're talking with Noah Dingley again and does his own program here on The Answer San Diego. I'll make sure to put it up on social media and also produces my show, Andrea Kay's show, does a lot of amazing uh, radio work. Um, but one more thing on this. When you and I were 20 in our 20s, we thought the world was going to be up, up, up. We were, we were convinced that there was just no end. Better to days the ahead. Prosperity. Yeah, there no, no end to the prosperity, no end to the, you know, uh, like what we could have. Do these young people believe that still? Or are they confused? Or what do you think? My kids are pretty, and this is just from what I have seen. They probably have other opinions they haven't shared with me. They're some of the most optimistic people that I know. And it's probably because I've raised them that way. I, I always hmm. raise them that, you know, if you, if you believe in yourself, if you believe in your family, 
you can go and do great things no matter what obstacles come against you. Now, there's a lot more obstacles now than you and I faced in our 20s. But right. that sense of hope is is still there. And I see that from other young people as well. So I know we're in dark days, as I mentioned earlier, Ed. But there's a lot of heart in America left. And I truly believe that especially if we educate these these young people and we show them, you know, what's important, why it's important. And that's the key is educating them with what I see and with what you see, that we can make sure that America stays on the right track, even if it's not now. And I believe in a lot of ways it's not. We can get back there. And I so I truly believe in my heart of hearts that America's best days are ahead. All right. Noah Dingley, great producer on this program. So you could jump in. We should have done this a long time ago. You're really good, as you know. But uh, thanks, Noah, and we appreciate it. We'll take a break. Always, and be right Ed, back. Always Ed, a pleasure. Anytime. Yeah. All right. We'll take a break and be right back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Be back in a moment. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin on the Pro-America Report. Hey, I told you I love I love talking to authors. You know, I, I did. It's like a, my soft spot. And so and I was really excited. That's my you, know, you got to follow this. My roommate from college who I've talked about some on the show, Doug, uh, Doug Rutherford, his older brother is a big highfalutin guy. He was like a he's he like hang, he hung out with Princess Diana and he's in all this kind of stuff. He's a professor. He's been a professor in Missouri where I was for a while. And now now he's at uh, James Madison University. He was the head of one of their institutes. And now he's uh, well, he's now he's a tenured professor. But he has a new book and his book is called America's Buried History Landmines Landmines in the Civil War, which I don't know, you know, uh, and so it's Dr. Ken Rutherford to join us in a second. But it's better to be lucky than good in terms of timing. Could a book on land? Mines in the Civil War right about now launch, at least in terms of getting a look. So welcome to the program, Ken. How are you? Good. Thank you, Ed. Glad to be on. Honored honored to be here. Well, so the first thing you want to say is, is there anything you want to tell America about your uh, younger brother? Not Eric. You have a bro- another younger brother, Eric, who's uh, more successful. But your your youngest brother, Doug, is there anything you want to tell America about him? I, I would say he was a loyal foot soldier behind his older brothers. Uh, <laughs> our brother, Eric, so you're younger, played football at Navy. Went into the Marines, served our country in the Marine Corps, DEA. I played ball at Colorado, served my country in the Peace Corps, Mauritania, did some overseas work with DOD and other entities such as State Department. And Douglas always said he played at Holy Cross for a while. He was there with you, Ed. And, and he said yeah. he could serve his country by getting the highest income tax bracket. <laughs> that sounds that sounds about right. He, he that's right. He said he, I think he said he made you guys do all the hard work and he's just uh he's just kind of in behind. But um well enough on that. So Ken, t- first of all tell the story. One reason why uh all kidding aside and you when you went on to your PhD, I think you were up at Georgetown, um it was after you'd been overseas, you'd done a lot of work in development and things you mentioned the Peace Corps, but then landmines for the reason that the I'll let you say obviously hit close to home and it changed the trajectory not all of your life as a man, but in terms of your research, so walk us through that a little bit. So, so Ed, you know, a lot of the reasons when they read the book, they'll find out about landmines and the devastation they cause and all that. And in my experience, uh, my first introduction uh, to a landmine was when it took off, when the landmine took off both my legs. I was in Somalia. It was after the Peace Corps, which was in Mauritania, worked for the UN in Senegal went to Eastern Africa to, to do economic development, part of the Operation Restore Hope in Somalia, which most people remember as Black Hawk Down. Um, I was injured 10 weeks after that in an area controlled by Islamic fundamentalist group, a militia group, and I was trying to distribute American-provided aid 
uh, through different channels to help bring stability to the area. Anyway, uh, on one of those missions, uh, my vehicle hit a mine, and my Somali team and I got blown up. And to make a long story short is I ended up losing both my legs uh, below the knee. Hmm. And and but then you said t- you know I mean and all kidding aside we were joking about you Doug and all but you turn what happens to you into what happens to you and you kind of so you became an expert on this subject and what I was kidding but Princess Diana had an interest in in the in the landmines and 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 you became acquainted and internationally so before we get to that to the question of this interesting book which is on America's buried history landmines in the Civil War said we're talking with uh, Dr Ken Rutherford about this a professor down at James Madison University in the world right. Now, are landmines? I mean, Americans don't think. I don't think we think about landmines because they're not in our lives in America. Nobody's landmining. Even when we see violence, you don't see landmines in the world. Are landmines still in 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 huge use? So they are, and they there was a downturn after the Princess Diana, the Nobel Peace Prize, all that work in the late 1990s. More landmines were coming out of the ground than going in the ground. But right now, there's about 80 million landmines in the ground. Most of these weapons are victim-activated, which means it takes a person stepping on it or a vehicle going over it. You know, and it's, you know, uh, landmines kill people. Guns don't kill people. People kill people. But in this case, the weapon is doing a lot of the hard work and the tragedies. And most of these people die from blood loss. Not from the explosion hmm. itself. So, but but back to your question, the the trend is going upwards due to a lot of landmine use by non-state actors, the Taliban, um, ISIS. Hmm. They made a killing literally with landmines. They had artisanal landmines. They had massive workshops producing these weapons. And for really the first time, I would argue in the world's history, ISIS was a group that was using landmines permanently to devastate humanity. If they can't control land, they're going to devastate thousands, tens of thousands of mines. So the trend word, unfortunately, is going up in terms of uh, casualties and landmine use. Is uh, and 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 not and and is it be, is it because in a certain sense landmines are relatively inexpensive and don't require? I mean, if you do a if you do a dirty you know a sarin gas bomb, you got to get sarin, you got to mm-hmm. get different things. If you do a landmine, it's is it rel? I mean, I'm, I'm I'm totally guessing, but it's relatively easy um, and and therefore lower cost. Is it is that the path? You're right. You're spot on. They're cheap to make. Make them in your garage, lay them in the ground. It's a coward's weapon. Lay them in the ground, run away, and you don't know who's going to step on it. Um, huh. Yeah. So, so yeah. It is, it's, a, it's an asymmetric uh, 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 device. Yeah. All right, so back, we're talking with Ken Rutherford. His book, again, is America's Buried History, Landmines in the Civil War. All right, so back now, I, I watched, I don't know if you saw it, I watched the uh, U.S. Grant documentary that was just on history. It was three three um, segments, three episodes, about an hour and 15 minutes each. Fascinating. I hadn't really seen a, a, a cover, you know, they were covering a lot of the battles. It was reenactment type thing, but and I was watching it, and, and you know, the, how it was hand-to-hand and how, you know, it was brutal, brutal stuff, the Civil War in terms of the, the fighting. Where did landmines fit in? I, you know, how, were they? And was it landmines? Was it uh, mining harbors? I mean, where did landmines fit in the Civil War? That is a great question, and that was the purpose. I wrote. I, this is my fifth book. I've written books on landmines. Everybody thought, nearly ninety nine percent of the world, including me, thought landmines were first used in a widespread basis in World War One. 
1917 right. when tanks were used. And maybe in one yeah. case in 1862 outside of Yorktown. And moving to Virginia, I'm a Colorado boy, didn't know anything about the Civil War, moved to, moved to Virginia, the heart of a lot of the, about 40% of the fighting. I come to find out that landmines were used in about 14 to 15 different battlefields around the country. And nobody wrote huh. about all these battles where landmines were used. And initially, the Confederates invested in underwater explosives to protect the harbors. But as the Civil right. War went on, as a federal stranglehold, the Abaconda plan choked the harbors, the Confederates started using this technology on land. But it wasn't organized. Huh. It was in disparate groups, different inventors, different units. They're outgunned. They're outmanned. They're hungry. They're trying to grab whatever they could. Uh, unexploded Union artillery shells. Um you know, hand grenades and burning them to ground, mostly in two cases, for two reasons, defensive or to uh, delay pursuing federal forces. Now, did did it did it was it was it uh, on one side only? I mean, what did the union realize all of a sudden? And by the way, in the grant, if you haven't seen the grant thing, I had not followed the um, this uh, famous. Um, uh, he did a he he mined underneath the uh, the um, uh, grant mined underneath the Confederate lines. I think maybe it was in yeah. in uh, Petersburg, and then Petersburg. and then blew it up. Beh- yeah, yeah. But behind. Yeah. But did the did the did the union also use uh, any kind of uh, landmines? I mean, wouldn't wouldn't the so, union have seen it and said, well? What's good for the goose is good for the gander in terms of yeah. cutting people off, or yeah. you know, cutting uh, cutting uh, uh, you know retreats or anything off, or, or was it really Confederate? So uh, in my research, it was all Confederate for a number of reasons. Number one, the Union had a lot of military assets to use. Number uh-huh. two, they're invading force, and landmines are yeah, primarily yeah. a defensive weapon. Moreover, the Union um, said that whoever. Whatever Confederate soldier or officers ordering or using landmines would be shot on the spot. So there's not a lot of written records, and also President Davis denied permission to replicate a, a landmine manufacturing booklet because he thought it would fall into Union hands and it would know what he quote devious secrets. So there wasn't a lot about there. A lot of it was purposely destroyed. In fact. In 1863, the Confederates made the first official landmine manufacturing facility in Richmond, and it was, they didn't call it like it was a Confederate torpedo bureau, but they called it the Conscription Bureau, sort of a, it was part oh. of the Secret Service. Is uh, um, we're talking with uh, uh, Dr. Ken Rutherford. His book is America's Buried History: Landmines in the Civil War. You can get it wherever you buy books. It's uh, uh, on Amazon. I saw this Kindle as well as uh, hardback. Is um, so at the end of the day, the Confederates use it, but it didn't. Um, oh no, I don't want to ask you. Were there incidents? I know you said that the the statement was that the Union would shoot a Confederate officer or soldier on site if they were using uh, landmines or found to use it. Did that happen? Do we know? No, that that did not happen. What what did happen in nearly every single case is Confederate POWs were forced to either march at the head of federal columns uh, to oh. you know sort of diffuse or deter landmine use by oh. their Southern Defender brothers, or uh-huh. uh, they're forced to clear the landmines after the battle. Fort Blakely huh. um, and other areas um, were huh. forced to clear. Wow. Well, it's and, a, and, and it, uh, it almost suffered. Yeah. Go ahead. 
I was going to say that some of the Confederate soldiers were killed clearing their own mines. I see. I see. You know, it's un, it's uncommon. I'm sure you, everybody, all your colleagues in in, in academia, that you find a, a, some uh, aspect of the field that you're an expert in that was never written about. So it's pretty amazing yeah. that this uh, this topic exists. So America's buried history, landmines in the Civil War. Uh, Kenneth R. Rutherford, uh, Doctor Rutherford, is a professor down at James Madison University. Hey, thanks, Ken, for coming on. We appreciate it very much. Awesome, Matt. Glad to do so. Thank you. Good luck to you. Thank you. Uh, All right, we'll take a quick break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Be right back. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. All politics is local is a famous aphorism that many forget amid the overbearing national media. But the numerous recent censures by local GOP organizations of arrogant politicians illustrates the untapped power of local grassroots activism. Our unique system of federalism was designed for most power to be held by the states and by we the people. While Congress wastes its time and our money by infringing on Trump supporters' First Amendment rights, state legislators can step up and save our country. In most conservative states, the legislatures meet only in the first half of the year, and the Texas legislature is in session only once every two years. So the window of opportunity is right now. Establishing election integrity should be a top priority in every state legislature, especially after the fiasco of the recent presidential election. Polls continue to show that most Republicans think the election was unfairly conducted for a number of unprecedented reasons and that Joe Biden did not legitimately win. A presidential election that half the voters regard as illegitimate can't be salvaged by putting barbed wire around the U.S. Capitol. Yet one doesn't have to walk far in Washington, D.C. to see the history, grandeur, and beauty of our nation's capital obscured by harsh metal barriers. Whatever happened to the liberal idea that walls are immoral? An American presidency needs to be based on election integrity, not on thousands of troops stationed at our Capitol. And remember, the Constitution specifically gives authority over election laws to the states, not the federal government. It gives it to we the people. So you should start by looking up what election laws currently exist in your state. To find this out, contact your local precinct captain, local party organization, or your state legislatures, or even get in touch with your state's secretary of state or top election official. Once you've familiarized yourself with the laws on the books, find out what you can do to make them better. Does your state have mandatory voter ID? What about signature verification? It's time for activists to take local action to protect America's elections. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Our mission, clearly stated at phyllisschlafly.com, is to enable and mobilize grassroots activism on behalf of cherished conservative values. You're encouraged today to go online and read the goals we support and those we oppose. Then join us. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening and come back next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report.
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. And I meant to remind you earlier in the show, I just played a replay of an interview with Ken Rutherford. Ken Rutherford is a professor, Dr. Ken Rutherford, at James Madison University down in Harrisonburg, uh, Harrisonburg, Virginia, James Madison University. And I was down there last week, and I spent some time with him. He's an extraordinary guy. And what made me think of him was that I was going to tell you uh, my thoughts on... Um, on some things and I was thinking about the power of turning whatever happens in your life into a positive experience right and so Ken Rutherford he's he's a professor he's been a professor in Missouri for I don't know a decade or more and he's written a bunch of books and that book we, he referred to is about the uh, landmine usage in Civil War and really interesting guy uh, an interesting career but it started after he was in the Peace Corps and then he was working uh, in Africa and he ended up uh, driving over a landmine and losing Losing the better part of both his legs being below the knee. In fact, as I say that, I know he lost both feet. Uh, one, one foot, I think he lost one leg. He lost most of his leg below the knee. And anyway, extraordinary trauma, and he had to recover from it. And he. Um, he not only did and got a PhD, he then succeeded, sort of turned it into an asset. He became a someone who cared about international affairs before he drove over landmine. Then he became someone who could talk about landmines, and he became an expert on, on warfare and international affairs and the interaction. He travels all over the world. He married, and my daughter was with me when we spent time with him, and he mentioned that he got engaged to his uh, girlfriend just hours, I think, maybe right before he drove back to work and drove over the landmine. And so they got engaged, and he, uh, the woman married him and even though he was now <laughs> having lots of medical issues and they've had five kids and they have a great life and uh, it's extraordinary so my point is you turn what you've got into what can be uh, the most positive thing right that's the point here and it's not always easy I'm not saying I have no idea what it's like to have to deal with us they say that kind of medical issue and lots of people that are listening would say oh yeah I've got this health issue that also I mean everybody's got something right in a way and so sometimes you, you can't guess but I do want to tell people that encourage them. There's a lot of people out there right now that are feeling down on themselves and on America. They're feeling like the nation is letting them down. They're feeling like their faith communities are letting them down. They're feeling like their families are letting them down. There's a lot of negativity being fed into our lives because there's some things that are a challenge. But what you have to do and what we need to encourage each other is to figure out how to turn what you're facing, what your family's facing, what your work profession is facing. I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying it's easy. I've been in, in some of these positions in my own life in terms of work, for example, in terms of health, at least in one case, it's not easy. But sometimes you need sort of permission to believe how you can turn what your problem is into something that's very, very good for you. And that's what I'm doing right now. I'm actually saying to you, hey, there's a examples all around us and they're not only they're not only the ones that you see like famous famous people where they tell a story you know the one i remember so well is listening to anthony hopkins talk about becoming an alcoholic well talk about being an alcoholic but finally admitting that i think he was about 42 years old he'd already won a bunch of awards he was famous he but he, he trashed two marriages i think and he talks about how he finally realized what was going on he finally came to the conclusion and he went to a and he gave this talk and he has given it given talks similar about how he couldn't have been who he was for the rest of his career, which has been 30 more years. For, he did, it was 1970, so probably close to 45 years longer with Academy Awards and all the other things. He couldn't have done it, he said, without having suffered like he did. 
And he almost is saying, look, that's 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 the the the, the fault in his life. The, the great problem in his life was the thing that gave him the chance to succeed. That's very common. And right now for our nation, we look at these problems, right? Most of them are generated by the fake news media. They're they're trying to brainwash us into being crazy. There's a video that was I think it was on TikTok, but posted on YouTube. I think it was Posobiec, Jack Posobiec, who posted it that showed two men reunited that served. They were best friends in the military and they hadn't seen each other in three years and they were looked to be in their 30s and they turned one guy, tapped the other guy on the shoulder and, and he, he realized then they then the, the, the guy who, the, the first guy taps the second guy on the shoulder, the second guy realizes who it is and he just bursts into joyous hugs and they're just hugging like best friends do, right? Like you do with your best friend or your family or period, hopefully your spouse and as they're doing this, it's just extraordinary and the, ca- the, the caption on Jack Posobiec's tweet was don't let people tell you this isn't the real America because one guy was black and one guy was white and we have more good things around us is my point more opportunities for for uh, unbelievable great things to happen even through things that have been made by the fake news media into things that are either more egregious or totally fabricated and I'm right now I'm pointing to what happens in the Minnesota, the, the George Floyd tragedy, the, the Chauvin trial, we have to start being voices to say it was a tragedy. Whether he died from fentanyl, whether he died from being restrained, his life had lots of tragedy in it, and, it's a, and we mourn his loss. However, it doesn't look to me like it was anything like murder. And when our system gives the truth out and shows it, but we're being brainwashed in other ways, here's what I want to say. We have to become voices of sympathy for loss and for the brainwashed. You can't tell the brainwashed that they're just full of it. It doesn't work. You have to sort of love on them and believe in them and give them a way to say, look, let's do better for our future, for everybody. Let's make it better. Whether you think that means defund the police, that's a mistake. But it does mean change the school situation in our communities, trapping people. It does mean ending the fentanyl uh, uh, onslaught in this country, which the communist regime in China is doing. We can use the moments to do great things. The danger is we fall for the narrative that's fed to us. Because the narrative that's fed to you is be a victim, and then you'll be helped. It doesn't really work. We're all going to be victims at some point of something, and how we become uh, stronger and better and and different and interesting from it is what's going to matter. All right, i got to run. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ken Rutherford. I posted over at ProAmericaReport.com. He's an inspiration, a good guy. You should uh, dig into his life and his work more and more. Thank you, Noah, our technical director. Thank you to uh, Joanna for booking our guests. We will be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego.